Welcome to the Synaxis Podcast. A Synaxis is a liturgical gathering. It can also refer to an unveiling event. The Synaxis Podcast is a weekly gathering hosted by yours truly, Scott Jones, for the purpose of finding the life-giving healing word of the gospel and the words of the weekly lectionary passages. Join myself and a guest each week as we explore the lectionary text together. This is the place for gospel-rich, grace-saturated, and a properly worldly lens on the week's lectionary passages, all in 25 minutes or less. My guest is the Reverend Kenneth Tanner. Kenneth is a pastor of Church of the Holy Redeemer in Rochester Hills, Michigan. He writes for numerous websites and magazines, including the Huffington Post and Sojourners. Ken, welcome back to the podcast. Good to be here, Scott. Well, we're coming up on Pentecost Sunday, and given your own religious background, I'm sure this is a favorite one for you. Oh, yeah. Sort of high church charismatic type of gent. Classical Pentecostal till I was 12, and then my parents drug us through every form of charismania that exists. Um, for about a decade. Um, and I was, of course, I went to Oral Roberts University. So, you know, it's, it's like the, it's like Paul, right? When he, he's like, you know, I was a, I was a charis, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was, I was a charismatic of charismatics. Um, so I love yeah. it. Well, our first text is Ezekiel 37, one through 14. And this is this pretty famous passage, at least for people who are familiar with the Bible where Ezekiel actually is taken, he sees this valley of dry bones, and he's asked, you know, the Lord says, immortal, can these bones live? And, of course, his response is, oh, Lord God, you know. And then he asks him to prophesy to the bones, and then, of course, they are, um, they are raised. Yeah, so beautiful. Such a beautiful passage. In the uh, in, in the Book of Common Prayer, of course, it's um, one of the lectionary readings for funerals, and uh, yeah, it just it's just amazing. And of course, um, and Jensen used this as the theme for um, that that outline of theology that he did when he was teaching uh, students at Princeton in undergraduate classes. Yeah, that yeah, that it's interesting because he has a great reference this passage where he says that um you know that's the title he uses in, in the intro he says um during the first part of the sixth century bc babylon was busy subjugating the little kingdom of the fertile crescent crescent or failing or that destroying them with the jewish state babylon had first tried the former taking hostages the jewish leadership to babylon in 597 among them was the priest ezekiel who became a prophet and he he says um how the Lord in this passage showed him a valley of bones so well and truly dead that they no longer made skeletons. And the Lord asked him a question, Son of man, what do you think? Can these bones live again? There is a way in which the whole story of Israel, everything that happened to it from the call of Abraham, had led up to that question. The people of God were dead, the nation was finished, and the question was, can death be reversed? And that is indeed the question. Does death win? I know it's so, and and so the uh, the spirit of God, which of course is the spirit of the Father, and if it's the, if if the spirit of God is the spirit of the Father, then He is the spirit of the the Father's love, uh, is resurrecting um, here the whole people of Israel, and of course 
um, the whole people of Israel are um, come to be coalesced in the person of Jesus, and 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 the Spirit of God raises Jesus from the dead. So it, it's a it's it's a beautiful passage about the resurrection of of, of all of all persons. Really, um, it, Jesus takes on the one human nature. And, uh, you know, as Paul says, in Adam, so in, as in Adam all died, so in Christ will all be made alive. Um, so this promise, this prophetic promise to Israel is extended to the entire human race. And, and, uh, I often think about like resurrection. You know, there are some people, I mean, we can exhume my father's body. Um, you know, he died in, in Vietnam in 1970 because they put him in one of those interesting, uh, caskets. Or, you know, it preserves the body and so forth. But, you know, there are millions of people who, who literally there's nothing left. I mean, it's just dust, right? And here Ezekiel is, is prophesying over an entire nation. I mean, they've all lived and they've all died and it's just a wasteland and there's nothing left. And, and he says that I will, God will breathe. And just as he did in the beginning, I'll breathe on the dust and bring you up out of your tombs. It's so vivid and it's so, it's so material and it's so real. And, um, and, and that's the Christian, that's the Christian hope. Yeah. And it's interesting because this is sort of, uh, in Genesis 2, you have this sort of double kind of thing, right? You have this, this first the body and then life is breathed in, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so there's, so here you have this vivification of the body and then the body, become spirit filled which it's interesting too because you know part of what's unique about the mission and identity of Jesus is throughout the the Hebrew scriptures throughout the whole testament the spirit comes and goes with various people right like it comes on Saul and then it isn't Saul among the prophets then it goes like nobody the spirit doesn't fall on anybody and rest forever no. but it it does with Jesus like yeah, it falls yeah. on Jesus and and so it's interesting like there's this guy Henri Blochet is a French theologian who wrote this great little sort of book on original sin this intervarsity series in biblical theology and he says that depravity comes from deprivation just as like the glory presence leaves the temple in Ezekiel right that what happens in Genesis he sees is the spirit withdraws in a way which sort of Mm. you know like so then humanity is animated not by the spirit but by the flesh Mm -hmm. and so you have this kind of reversal of that here and ultimately you know pointing to the reversal in Christ yeah and the reversal we're getting ready to talk about um, uh, on, on, on the day of Pentecost the yeah it's I, I once, that's beautiful. Um, I, I've been really thinking about this Ezekiel passage in light of, um, human sin and collective human sin and, um, the possibility that we could, you know, we really do have the power to annihilate ourselves entirely from the planet. And I am, I'm always thinking about this verse, not, not as something to like, okay, well, we can do whatever we need to because God's going to, you know, resurrect us all in the end. But it's interesting to me. I mean, the, the Christian belief in faith is really radical. I mean, it's, it's as if like all life could cease to exist on the planet, maybe not by a nuclear holocaust, but you know, all of human life could cease to exist on the planet and it would just be the wind would be blowing on the ground and there, you know, just, but there wouldn't be anything left, right? But God is able to raise the entire human race 
um, from their graves by his own holy action. And uh, so the Christian hope is really radical. Like, I mean, I think most of the times we think, well, when God comes back, there'll be some people who are still alive. But I mean, what if the case was, I mean, human humanity wiped itself entirely out? I mean, um, this is the kind of hope and trust that we have. Um, and of course, uh, we work, um, you know, uh, for a world in which God comes back to, uh, to not not the scene that I'm painting. Yeah, and you're right. It is interesting because, you know, the the Bible, you know, starts and ends with sort of universal, right? Like, you know, Genesis, the cosmos, and ends with Revelation. But then it's, it seems to get very particular in the middle. You know, it, it, and Israel gets window down, window down, window down, until you get to the story of one Israelite. And then yes. it expands out again to the... So here, you're right. It, even though this is Israel's story, it is a universal story and speaks to a universal hope. Yes. Beautiful. That your sweet kiss, my soul has lost, my friend. Tell me how do I begin again? My city's in ruins. So our next reading is Acts two, verses one through twenty-one. Some people though will do the alternate reading of. Romans eight twenty two through twenty seven, we're talking about the spirit, how the spirit hopes us, you know, helps us in our weakness when we groan. But we'll talk about Acts two, which is basically just the story of Pentecost, right? It is, um, yeah, and 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 it's uh, it's so unique, right? I mean, there's there's the celebration of the giving of the law that that is happening on this day. Um, and it, it, it makes us, we should go back in our hearts and minds to Sinai and what happens there, which is that, that in the giving of the law, which really it, the essence of the law is what Jesus said, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. God is giving this beautiful gift of, of how to live the Trinitarian life in the world um, love and the people are worshiping idols and then there's this destruction that, that, that fall, that befalls then, and, and there's thousands that die. There's this great reversal that's happening here where, um, the spirit of God, um, falls out on these disciples and thousands are saved, right? Um, by the outpouring of the spirit of God. Um, and I think it might be tied in some sense to the, you know, I will write my laws on their heart. Um, so. Right. This is the, the fulfillment of the prophecy in Jeremiah, right? Where we no longer you teach people the law, but they'll have it on their, they'll be, you know, they'll, it'll have, they'll have it in their heart. And, and the whole idea, right? The law, the, the laws tell us is love. Mm-hmm. So if everyone loved perfectly, there'd be no law. Yes. And the, so that the spirit of the father's love of the son is poured out not on me individually, not on Scott Jones individually, not on the listener of this podcast, but on the entire church. And so collectively, you. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's it, it's wonderful. And then, there, of course, there's the, the reversal of Babel, which um, is really interesting too, right? Is there's this division that takes place because they're building their idolatrous tower to God, Right. And in this unity, they're, 
you know, as they were at Sinai, committing this kind of idolatry of man raising himself to to God. And here the Holy Spirit falls in power um, on the disciples. God comes to us and fills us collectively. And instead of this confusion of tongues, you have this like almost UN thing that's going on where where there's all this noise that's happening, but every person who's there, and it describes the entire Mediterranean area, right, are all there gathered for the feast, and they can hear the babble in their own language, like they've got the UN headphones on, right? And and uh, it, it it's making perfect sense to each of them in their own language. There's still diversity, right? The diversity hasn't disappeared, but all of a sudden they can understand each other. Yeah, and in, in the Bible, there's ultimately two kinds of diversity. Diversity centered around uh, idols, right? Or diversity centered around the lamb. Yes. And here, the, the diversity, right, isn't eroded, but there's understanding in the midst of it. Yes. And and and, and um, I think I heard Michelle saying one time that, uh, and I think he gets this from Hauervoss, but, and Hauervoss gets it from Bart, but the... The, the the purpose of this unity is that we might um, take the tools that we would use to build ourselves up as gods and elevate ourselves, our militarism and so forth, and our power, and and beat them into plowshares and 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 so that the spirit of the spirit of Christ is the spirit of shalom, right? And and that we might have peace. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I've heard Tim Keller say that. I think something like idolatry is where we sit, you know, where only God deserves to sit on the throne. And oh, atonement is, is, is where God dwells, where we deserve to dwell on the cross. Mm. And, and through that atonement again comes the spirit, which is the spirit of, of life. So good. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and these people are empowered now to live as Christ lives in the world. Um, collectively, we are empowered to live as Christ lives. That means that the Spirit of God, um, uh, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Father's love of Jesus is what compels us. And, and so the Spirit can't be like co-opted or, um, hired into our agendas of what this, you know, the Spirit of God. Oh, this is, so I can come along and say, "Oh, this is the spirit of God has spoken to me and and I'm full of the spirit." And so I'm going to this is what God's saying to me. If that whatever you end up saying after that or or you begin to, "Oh, I'm going to take this action. I'm going to go off and do this." If that saying and that doing are not married to the person of Jesus, then we can say, "That's not the spirit." And also, just for the record, one of my favorite passages in all scripture is here. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine. <laughs> so clearly, they didn't have they didn't have the third shift because some people do go get a beer at nine in the morning if they work all night. But here, they didn't have third shift, and so here we have this clear. Um, I, I love that. I once had a more. I, I once had a morning kind of uh, mid morning lunch with uh, David Vanderveen, my friend David Vanderveen, and Rob Bell, and he orders a bunch of uh, like these lemon vodka drinks, and Rob was like, eh, "It's a little early." Uh, it's a little early, David. <laughs> and, and David was like, hey, man, it's, you know, it's five o'clock somewhere. So. Exactly.
on to the gospel, uh, John 15, 26 through 27, and 16, 4b through 15, where here Jesus talks about uh, how the, the, when the Spirit comes, uh, that they will testify. He'll testify on Jesus' behalf, and then they'll also testify, testify through the gift of the Spirit. And then he talks a little bit about how the advocate will come, and there'll be some tension with them in the world, you know, they'll have that the advocate's not going to come. It's not going to, it's a comfort to them, but it's also going to be something that sort of spells out and relief some of the differences between the world and the church called and sent in the power of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, I, I don't think we think very much about, um, the role of this, the spirit that he's talking about. So we're always like, like I grew up in a tradition, right. In which they felt like the spirit of God, um, wasn't active, right. In the church for hundreds of years, um, and it active in the world for hundreds of years until all of a sudden the spirit fell upon these people in Azusa or the, the tent revivals in Tennessee or wherever. Um, and, and part of, part of, um, my journey, um, not abandoning Pentecostalism, which is so beautiful, and especially the old timers that raised me in Pentecostalism who were so self-sacrificial and, and prayerful. And many of them were dirt poor, but shared what they had with others and, uh, lived these, these lives of, of real kind of scarcity, but also Spartan joy. Um, and, uh, you know, what I've learned though, coming out of, of that into the wider church and listening to other Christians is how the spirit, you know, has been at work the whole time and, uh, leading the church into all truth, which is what Jesus tells us he's, that the spirit's job is. And, um, so I think the spirit is the one who helps us to interpret the gospel, the good news. Um, in every new situation of the world, in every new culture, in every new time, in every new epoch, in every new philosophy, um, the the gospel is 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 going forward in the world. And it's I think it's interesting that 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 we've discovered I think in the church by the power of the Spirit deeper meanings to uh, the words of Jesus, deeper meanings of the actions of Jesus. Um, as history has unfolded. And I think, and that's been part, part of that's been like incorporating different people's experiences of suffering, like, uh, like the African Americans in America, but also incorporating, uh, different people's experiences, like in England, the, the Celts and their understanding of nature and so forth and so on. Taking all the beautiful things of all the human cultures that are out there in the world and incorporating them into the cross. Um, and of course, um, by the power of the spirit exercising from all cultures and all places and all times, those things that aren't of God. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And it's interesting that we have in these previous passages in the section in John 14, 16, we hear Jesus saying that the spirit will be with the disciples forever. And in fourteen twenty six, he says to teach you everything you ever need to know by reminding you of everything I ever said to you. And then in fifteen twenty six, to bear witness to me, and then in sixteen fourteen to glorify me by taking what is mine and declaring that to mm. you. Mm. 
I saw I mean, I, when I read that this morning, that popped out at me too. What I declaring what I have, right? Yeah, it's interesting too. Uh, in his wonderful commentary, Dale Bruner says, uh, Oh man, they, it's so just good. such a good commentary on John. In churches where the teaching is utterly Christ centered and Christ honoring, we know that we are in the presence of the divinely given Holy Spirit of truth. And he quotes Luther, the poor Holy Spirit doesn't know any other subject. When the Christocentric advocate and encourager mm. came to the earliest disciples, we call them apostles, they went immediately to their work. And then, voila, we had something like the Gospels and the Epistles, texts wholly taken up with Jesus. The more filled we are with the Holy Spirit, the more centered we will be in Jesus and in his words deeds and persons. Oh God, I love that. You know, one I was just explaining the the sacred year to a young man who uh, came to church yesterday and um how I how much I love Advent to Pentecost, you know, and and how each of these Sundays and the, the lectionary readings and our singing and our um, preaching and um even all the tactile and all, you know, all the things that the colors and the things that the change. It's all about Christ. And what's interesting is that, you know, it takes us through from the incarnation to the ascension of Christ and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Every year as we go through this, I see new things about this simple story of God becoming flesh and living amongst us and, and suffering and, um, and, and teaching glory and, and rising from the dead and, and, you know, and, 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 and even ascending to the right hand of the Father in flesh. I see something new that I hadn't seen before. And I think it's because we don't trust the simplicity of this story to really interpret all of existence and all of life. And it's the spirit who makes that interpretation possible. And it, we just keep going deeper and deeper into it. It's an endless mystery. It's inexhaustible that God uh, became flesh. And we can, it, by the spirit, it, it, um, it, it, uh, it discloses, it makes known all the mysteries of life. And um, I agree with you. We're always out chasing some new fangled idea, or new idea of the church, new idea of this, new idea. Let's try this thing and try that thing. When when we really need to hunker down into the simplicity of the person of Jesus. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, Jurgen Moltmann has this great saying that the church of God doesn't have a mission in the world. The God of mission has a church in the world, and. Uh, you know that the mission of God is Christ-centered, and the agent uh, of that of our participation in that is the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's a participation, as I think we've noticed in the readings prior to the Pentecost, that is it is precisely the work of God, um, not our work. And um, I was just—I'll just share this because we have a few. We have a, a little, just like a second left here, but. I was in a service on Friday night and am gl- was glad to be there because it was about, it's about ecumenical participation and being with my brothers and sisters. But a man got up and preached and it was, you know, he comes from a charismatic background, probably Pentecostal before he was charismatic. And, and I was listening to the sermon and I was realizing I have as much as I love and I want to be here and be with my brothers. I've really moved beyond this idea. And what he was preaching was that 
that um, we all have to get to the point where we're we're sanctified. We have to get to the point where we're doing all the right stuff and saying all the right things. Because if we just have more fervency and we just have we do we we're more righteous and if we do all the right things and say all the right things, then God will be finally enabled to do what He's been wanting to do all along, and He's waiting on us to do it. And I was like, no, I have I have left that behind for preaching and sacraments that announce and proclaim that God has done the work in Jesus Christ, and that I and you and everyone else get to participate in his finished work by the power of the Spirit. Well, as you bear witness to that finished work, may you be Spirit-filled this Pentecost. Amen. You too, my brother. So good to be with you as always. Thanks for listening to the Synaxis Podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes, give it a rating, write a review, and subscribe, or pass it along to a friend via email, or say something about it on social media. All of those things help so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks to Ken for being on the podcast, and thank you again for listening. And until next time, friends, fare thee well.